right? So I'll I'll uh, I'll do like a fifteen twenty minute introduction to to the topic of how wealth is created, and then I'll take questions from the event chat. I'll read them out. Um, yeah, so let's start it. So this is this is like a a long topic. I think even if you studied it in, in economics at school, it would be potentially a semester or at least some lessons. So this is really just going to scratch the surface just to give you an idea. But uh, I can't, I cannot cover everything. So if, if you are interested in some of the topics you hear today, then please do uh, investigate further for your own benefit. Um, so yeah, but just, just managing your expectations a little. Uh, yeah, so let's start with history. So for the majority of human history, 99% of the population did not have access to wealth. Uh, in particular, in this case, uh, that means they were in uh, extreme poverty, which is by today's measure less than a dollar ninety a day. So with, with inflation, it's not very much throughout history. And uh, during this time, there was plenty of labor. There were plenty of slaves. There were plenty of indentured servants. However, only the last 250, 300 years uh, have we seen exponential wealth? So what has changed? Why are we so wealthy today compared to 10,000 years ago, even 1,000 years ago, 300 years ago, or even 100 years ago? So let's see if I can answer that question a little bit. So what is wealth? Well, this is, I'm not explaining it very well here. I'm just giving like the, the, the definitions to some degree. Wealth is production that is not consumed, uh, the technical term. Another way of seeing it is, from a mathematical point of view, is time, production, and savings make up wealth. So don't, don't worry, I'm, I'm going to keep explaining. Uh, let's see if there's any questions so far. No, we're good. What wealth isn't, it is not a fixed pie. It's not a situation where if one person creates wealth, then it necessarily means that one person lost wealth. Uh, wealth is not about taking, wealth is created. Um, so I'll, I'll give a small example in the form of a story to, to help. Oh, sorry, sorry. So in, in, the, in the context of what I said um, with regards to time production and saving, I want to go into what production is. So I'll give a small or oh, short story uh, to help understand. So let's imagine many years ago, a man is uh, trapped or born on an island and... Um, while he's on the island, he, he is trying to find food for himself. So there are, there are fish around the island, and he tries to like go into the water and grab fish with his hands. It's, he's not very successful, and the sea is very salty. It hurts his eyes. And one day he thinks, perhaps if there was a way for me not to get into, into the water as deep as I do, I'll have an opportunity to at least not be so tired and the salt won't affect my eyes. So he, he goes to the, to the forest area, he finds a branch, he sharpens the edge of it, and he decides this is now going to be a spear. And then he takes the spear, he goes to the water, he tries to, to fish some fish. He's more successful than he was before. He's able to catch... Oh, sorry, I didn't, um, I didn't explain this, but so typically... So typically when he catches things in his hand, he only catches one fish a day, which is just enough for him to maintain his needed calories, uh, for argument's sake. 
But with the spear, he's now able to catch two fish a day, and his eyes don't hurt from the salt water. Um, over the course of time, he's a bit more and more successful, and he uh, is able to catch more fish than he needs to consume. Now, on the island itself, there is another, fi- there is another person that discovered how to grow wheat and how to then grind the wheat into, into flour. And he, again, he, he started, you know, he didn't have enough to eat. And then over time, he was able to produce more and more. And now he has more uh, wheat than he is able to consume or make into bread uh, through the, a little bit down the line. And those two people meet and they say, well, I've got more fish than I need. You've got more flour than you. Uh, he said, I've got more flour than I did. Let's, let's exchange. And... You can have some of my flour and I'll have some of your fish. So we have a situation here where there's uh, two people on the island, both of them producing more than they can consume. And the other person has something of value to them and they decide to, to trade to have um, a better quality of life, I suppose. There's a few points here. Some of them I'll, I'll go back to. But um, I just want you to notice that in order to to increase the amount of production, um, the original man w- with regards to the fish had to think about a way of how to discover or find ways in nature to to be able to increase to increase the production of fish or increase his productivity of fish. And the thinking part is a very crucial stage in production and in wealth creation. And in the philosophy that I particularly follow, um, the thinking element is, is, is very important and it, it has an emphasis on it. But the definition of production in this philosophy is production is the application of reason to the problem of survival. So I'll go a bit more into, the, into, a bit more into that later. But taking this short story and um how people like address and I, and I believe it's a very basic story but i taking this idea of the story i would like to read a two paragraphs from from a book and um maybe to explain production in a little bit more uh, of an overview and not not so much in a small example uh, this is a quote have you ever looked at the root of production Take a look at an electric generator and dare tell yourself that it was created by the muscular effort of unthinking brutes. Try to grow a seed of wheat without the knowledge left to you by men who had to discover it for the first time. Try to obtain your food by, by means of nothing but physical motions, and you'll learn that man's mind is the root of all goods produced and all the wealth that ever existed. But you say money is made by the strong at the expense of the weak. What strength do you mean? Is it, not the, it is not the strength of guns or muscles. Wealth is a product of man's capacity to think. Then, then is money made by the men who invent a motor at the expense of those who did not invent it? Invent it? Is money made by the intelligent at the expense of the fools? By the, by the able at the expense of the incompetent? By the ambitious at the expense of the lazy? So uh, this is a chapter in, in the book called Atlas Drug, and then there was a, a, 
an element there where Francisco was talking about the the root of of the root of money or is money the root of evil and within that there's a a passage about production but there is an emphasis here that um it's not just labor there's a very big element in production in in thinking and looking how to solve problems so how is wealth created in a more practical sense uh basically uh entrepreneurs enter the market and, and i'll try to explain like more or less how they they operate so in a, in a very basic sense an entrepreneur is a kind of bridge between um let's say best way to describe it is like a scientist and the market so a, an entrepreneur will use knowledge from example from science they will discover either something of value a, a certain need in the market or an improvement on an existing uh, product then they will organize materials and people and they will produce marketable goods or services so an entrepreneur, entrepreneur is basically the bridge from the knowledge that we currently have in society either by uh for example you know to to mill to mill bread in the example of the story that's passed down as knowledge or from scientists working on labs finding a way of using that knowledge in a way that people need something in the market something that, that produces something of value to them organize a way to produce them and then produces them there are however uh actually you know what i'll i'll take a short does anyone have any question at this stage or should we just keep going wait a, wait a bit no okay i'll uh, i'll continue there are preconditions that need to happen for the entrepreneur to be able to do the things that they do and those starting by by the first one is basically liberty or we have to have a situation where the entrepreneur is is uh, has freedom from force specifically force from other people that they're able to operate somewhat freely and they they are free to to think and free to be creative about how to solve particular problems now there needs to be property rights uh in that society so you're able to so the entrepreneur is able to keep what they make uh this necessarily means like either low to no taxes uh with the idea is that um if they produce something sorry if they take the risk to produce something and then they are taxed heavily on it it's a case where it's if you attempt something it's your loss but it's our profit so it may discourage people from even starting the endeavor uh low to no regulations so they have again the freedom to try things out an honest government with an objective rule of law uh, and a government is able to dissolve to solve disputes between supplier and and themselves and the government that ensures that there isn't a situation of political unrest or war so uh, uh, there's a stability that allows people to come in and act as entrepreneurs and and provide value to other people in the market that is the precondition for this to happen uh the entrepreneur was one way of of producing uh of production there is a second way of of um pro of production and it goes into what i previously mentioned which was 
that production is time, sorry, that wealth is time, production, and savings, you can have a situation that in a regular job, you, you produce more than you consume and you take that into savings. Now, and you want to then take the savings and grow it in a particular, so it's worth more. And you do that by basically investing in uh, the entrepreneur we previously discussed. So the entrepreneur is trying to start a new, a new business. They, are, they seem to be doing okay. Um, and you think, oh, that's a good idea for me to take this money, invest it in the entrepreneur. Um, there is a sort of incentive to do that because if you don't, if you hold on to your money and keep it under the mattress, uh, it will lose value just with inflation. So there is an incentive to do something with it. Um, the same preconditions for the um, entrepreneur apply here as well. So for example, if if by uh, investing there is a high amount of tax, that means there is less of an incentive to risk this uh, capital, the, these savings, because you won't get as much return and there is a, a risk of losing your savings should this uh, entrepreneur fail. Uh, there is an expectation of getting dividends from this uh, money that you give the, the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur will take this, will take your money or take these savings and invest in capital investments such as machines to be more productive. So there is a sort of like a feedback loop where the entrepreneur looks for uh, things to, that the market finds of value, other people find of value and are willing to pay for it. And the investors want to grow their money and they give it to the, to the entrepreneur. They use this money to, to be more productive and produce more and faster and, and cheaper and better value. And it's sort of a continuous feedback loop. Um, unfortunately, when investing, you have to be a bit, a bit careful. I'm not going to go into great detail, but, um, just, just talking about a bit of, um, uh, information, I'll, usually out of 10 businesses in the first year, the try or 10 entrepreneurs that try to start a business, six will, will fail and you would lose, you would lose your investment. Your investment will be consumed. Uh, three out of 10 would break even and or, or intentionally like make it a sort of lifestyle business. So your investment will not necessarily go anywhere. It will just stay the same. And one out of 10 will succeed past the first year. So it's, it's not, it is the case that there is an element of uh, where the money should go um, and who should you trust with, with your investment. Now, unfortunately, even in this situation, over time, things change. There are new innovations that, that, that happen and, and come to the market. There are things that perhaps disrupt your business. There are situations where you become less efficient over time or your organization becomes more bureaucratic or you sunk a lot of money in, into a particular cost and now you're afraid to innovate, uh, throw it away and innovate somewhere else, uh, innovate with it. And uh, in general, businesses have like an average lifespan of, of 10 years uh, and then they, they die away. Even uh, businesses that are on the S&P 500 are, have an average lifetime of 15 years. So it's very much the case that investors have to be a bit more careful where they put their money uh, or they may lose their investment. Um, Taking some of these core things together, in the short story, uh, there was a, a man 
uh, who was fishing and a man who was uh, growing wheat and, and milling it. Uh, there's a sort of, of network effect there. Uh, the more people you have in your market, um, the more the things that you can trade with, the more the people who specialize in. So I was thinking in the story itself. So for example, let's say a man comes and um, digs steel out of the ground. And, you know, he, he he's included now in the people that trade. So people may, maybe can just take the steel and hold on to it because it's not, not perishable like fish are. And say maybe in the future they can trade this or could be even gold. Can trade this and, and it's sort of a situation where the more people are participating in the market, the, the overall network effect uh, grows. So more people producing in the market, the greater the productivity and the, the, the greater the overall value of the market. So more people in it, the more market innovation, more suppliers, more customers, more wealth, more jobs, more productivity and cheaper and better products and services. So stringing it all together, um, in order to, uh, in order to, like how wealth is created, uh, there had to be like a, a few innovations on a few different. So how is it that we're more rich today than we are in the past? It's because we had to have a few different innovations. We had to have some political innovations with regards to property rights and the rule of law. We had to have some philosophical innovations in the context of uh, liberty and recognizing individuals need the freedom to think and be creative. Uh, and as a result, we needed like a sort of political system or based on the philosophy of the removal of force from the society in a, I'm not, not in a way, or at least like really discouraging it. And as a result, we have economic, we had from those, we have economic innovations. We are optimizing our transactions based on this political support that we remove force from society is a sort of the government is giving you a sort of insurance that you can trade and there won't be like a certain degree of violence or we'll resolve disputes so this optimizes transactions though they flow more easily there's economic incentives from based on the philosophy that you should deserve you should deserve to keep what you what you want and um And yeah, I think, and as a result, we have the network effect where, where we, where like we have, we add more nodes to the, to the network and they grow and we have more and more wealth and, and, and everything is like more and more accelerated and we have exponential more wealth. So that was the, that was the, uh, introduction. I hope I didn't overload everyone. Maybe I should actually give the handouts or something. But um, if anyone has any questions, then I'll, I'll take them now. Or if you want to jump in. Does wealth need to be tied to a monetary unit? Um, it does not need to be tied to a monetary unit. I think it's just easier to trade once it is. And, and I think that uh, originally that was gold. And that was something that... Uh, you know, physical, you can touch. And we seem to have lost that over the years when we've detached uh, paper money to gold. Now it's just a sort of fiat currency. But it does help uh, trading when it is based on, on like some sort of 
value of money. It just speeds up trading, similar to the way that uh, we sped up transactions with uh, political support. This is another way of speeding them even further. Does wealth need to be tied to a certain concept of value? If so, what would it? I mean, technically, yes. You you don't want you want to have a situation where you sell you accept this monetary unit which is a sort of a value that you expect and you don't want that value to go down until you go buy something else with it. Um, I mean, this is more a question about money, which is, uh, which is uh, a big subject in and of itself. Um, but ideally like something that stays stable and that you're able to expect to sell it for a particular value and then retain that value to buy something now or in the future when you need to to spend it so i don't i don't have an answer what would that be but i mean i would say gold standard would be good and more stable even though like you can mine it it's still relatively stable if the if there could be an idea of wealth beyond simple economic like you know we could say someone is wealthy when they are in health oh i see what you say um so there is there is spiritual and monetary value. Um, it depends on the, it, it, it depends on the ind individual in a sense because um, like two people can trade like on a value that they agree is a value. But like for, if you listen to a song, if you read a, a story of or another individual that you love is is an immense value to you, that's that's something you you should seek that value. Um, and oh, for example. I'll give it. I'll give a slightly different example, which I'm. I'm trying to recall. Um, if you if you buy, uh, let's let's say you're a very big Harry Potter fan, and if you buy and if you buy a Harry Potter book, you get the book and you pay money. Let's say to, to for argument's sake to J.K. Rowling, and um, you read the book. You you enjoy it a lot. But from an economist point of view, money has gone down in your bank account. And that's all they see. And money has gone to J.K. Rowling's bank account, and now J.K. Rowling's even a billionaire. And that's that's to some people that's bad. But from your point of view, you, you don't regret buying that book. I mean, even if it seems like oh, this this perpetuates inequality or something. I think I think I'm remembering an example from an inequality lesson actually. Uh, but you you read the book, you got immense spiritual value for, it, and you are happy to part with your with your money to gain this spiritual value in a, in a sense. But I don't think necessarily that you could easily trade, trade that book. Perhaps like if someone else agrees to, to trade the book with you because they recognize it as, as, as spiritually valuable to them, but it's harder than, than money would be easier in the, in this sense. I hope I answered the question. Uh, can I just ask like, uh, just like a yes or no was, was what I said clear or, or confusing, or you have a question about the topics I, I, I read out? I guess this is a less exciting and spicy topic than, than Kyle's one. I, I, I would say though that um, the reason why I did do this topic is because I, I just saw a lot of people like discuss um, concepts in, 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 in capitalism and economics and it just didn't seem to have an idea of, of, of how wealth is created and, and certainly in, in the area of um, 
or on the point of like a zero sum game and exploitation and it's 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 just it's just not the case it's like you it's as if kind of, it's it's kind of like saying like when Christopher Columbus discovered America like they came and there was like six apple trees and they like they they like split the apples equally across all the people on the boat and then like a hundred years later skyscrapers fell out of the sky and, and landed it's like that's it's not it's not how wealth is created how we don't we don't distribute wealth we we create it and um the creation itself is is of Im- the creation of value in and of itself is immense value to society it's it's valuable to the consumers it's valuable to the people who to the suppliers of the the businesses who and and helps them going like the, the whole network effect it's like a series of um interlocking parts so for example if you would look at it in a negative way, like if you if you would disrupt this, like in a sort of stagflation or mass unemployment or some sort of event where, like for some reason, lots of companies or lots of consumers just kind of leave the market very quickly, it's extremely disruptive because it's all like a, a flow of, of things. And if that flow is disrupted, then it, it has a very negative effect on, on the overall uh, on the overall network or mar- market. Um, but once like you have something like this up and running, it's like a... a a well-oiled machine, in the sense that kind of lives, lives on its own, and, and all the individual nodes in the in the network uh, make decisions for themselves based on price signals and what they want for their own lives and how they want to optimize certain things. So it's kind of like an adaptive complex, like a, a biological adaptive complex system to some degree. Um, yeah, if I could explain it that way. <laughs> 